0: What a good day this has been in the Lord's house. Daniel chapter 4, we're going to read today about Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. You may have that uh, heading on your Bible at the beginning of chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree, and cut off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it, and the birds from its branches." Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth. Bound them with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones. In order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you, Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beasts of the the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home, it is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. For your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the most high, which has come upon my Lord, the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you, after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, Let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the twelve months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? And while the world was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men, and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High, praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom. An excellent majesty was added to me. Now... I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, all of whose works are truth, and His ways justice. And those who walk in pride, He is able to put down. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for Your Word. Thank you for the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. I pray today, give wisdom as we try to make application from it. Fill me with Your Spirit, Lord. Forgive me for anything that would hinder my usefulness to You today. Help me today, Lord, to say only those things you once said and and, uh, to boldly say those things you once said. I just pray you'd give wisdom and help us all, Lord, to hear. I pray, Father, this would be a profitable time, a time that you do your will in each of our lives. Uh, Lord, whatever we need to hear today, help us to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I had considered this morning just proceeding with our series in 1 Corinthians. We have been for some time now in a series in the book of 1 Corinthians, but... It is Memorial Day weekend, and so I kind of thought it might be nice to do something a little bit more patriotic. And so in my devotions this past week, I happened to come across this particular chapter. And as I came to this message on the second, or this passage on the second of Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, I couldn't help but see some things in there that might be useful to us on this patriotic day. There are two main characters in here, are there not? There is Nebuchadnezzar, who was the ruler of Babylon. And there's Daniel. Daniel. Also referred to in here as Belteshazzar, Daniel, who was a prophet, uh, one of the captives that had been taken when Jerusalem was overthrown, but he was a prophet of Israel who now lived in Babylon. The story here was apparently told by Nebuchadnezzar himself. If you notice the first few verses, it seems like he is the one who is telling this, and so Daniel must have then taken it down and, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, included it in this particular book. Babylon, as you will recall was the most powerful nation on earth at this time. It ruled the world. Its influence was felt everywhere. And one thing that is clear here is that Nebuchadnezzar believed he was the great source of this this power and influence. Did you catch that in there? He seemed to think he was the one. Verse number 30 says, The king spoke, saying, Is this not great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my Majesty. I built this, he said. I built it for my majesty. Pride. Arrogance. And it was to this proud and arrogant king that God appeared in a dream. And the entirety of this passage of scripture is really talking about that particular dream. In spite of all his majesty and power and pomp and wealth and, and pride and arrogance, he saw this dream and he was afraid. And when he was afraid, he called for Daniel because Daniel was the only one he knew that could interpret this particular dream. And so Daniel came and Daniel interpreted the dream and the interpretation was not good. Daniel said this great king would soon have his kingdom removed from him for a period of time. He would suffer some sort of mental disease. It's a very interesting sounding disease. He would be driven from men. He would live amongst animals. Not only would he live amongst animals, he would live like an animal. He would become like an animal. And this would take place for seven years. It says here the, the phrase is seven times, but most believe that means seven years. In other, other places in the Bible it would be interpreted that way as well. So he's going to be removed from his kingdom. He's going to be driven out and he's going to live like an animal for seven years. How would you like to have a dream like that? How would you like to have somebody tell you that's your future? I read uh, I read one particular source that says there is a mental illness known as zoanthropy. Anybody ever heard of zoanthropy? Did you ever hear of zoanthropy? Zoanthropy, which apparently is something that's observed even today. But in this disease, a person thinks of himself as an animal and acts like one. So maybe, maybe that's what happened to him. But he would be driven. And he would become like an animal. And interestingly, though, the kingdom would be secured for him. Don't you think it's interesting that God said there will be a stump that remains in the ground? I always find that interesting, bound with brass. There will be a stump that remains in the ground. And that was an indication that the kingdom would still be there. And after he had learned his lesson and got his heart right with God, he would be restored to his position of authority. And, of course, that's exactly what happened, isn't it? God doesn't say things that he doesn't do. Just as prophesied, he did have a period of seven years where he had some sort of mental illness, where he was driven out from his kingdom, and he did live amongst the animals that said his hair grew like eagles' feathers and his nails like claws. Interesting. But the kingdom was still there. And at the end of that seven years, he was once again restored to it. I believe there's a key phrase in this passage that I want us to concentrate on this morning. It's seen in three different verses. It's repeated three times. Look at verse number 17. Is the first of them. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. It's also in verse number 25. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever He chooses. And one more place, verse number 32. They shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, they shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses do you see the common thought there until you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, and that's what i want us to think about for the remaining moments here this morning we could even shorten it up a little bit we could just shorten it up to this and i think it's a valid thought for us on memorial day the most high rules the most high rules there's a little chorus that we sing sometimes our god reigns not a whole lot of words to that particular chorus It's just, our God reigns, our God reigns, our God reigns, our God reigns. It's one of those 7-Eleven songs. But it's true. And it's basically what the lesson is here today, isn't it? The most high rules. Our God reigns. And once Nebuchadnezzar came to the place in his life where he recognized that truth, in the wonderful grace of God, his kingdom was restored to him. And thus we see at the end of the chapter, him saying things that helps us to understand what he meant in the beginning of the chapter. We get to the end of the chapter, and he is saying, now I truly recognize that God is the only God. I, I noticed as I, as I studied this a little bit that, that there's some difference of opinion amongst scholars as to whether or not Nebuchadnezzar was truly a believer here, but I don't know. It sure sounds like he is to me as I read down through here. And certainly by the end of this chapter, it certainly seems like he was. Well, let's make just a couple of applications. Two applications this morning and then we'll be done. Uh, And we're going to be concentrating on that phrase, the most high rules. Let let me say this. Number one, God rules in the affairs of countries. And number two, God rules in the affairs of men. Let's make those two applications. God rules in the affairs of countries. And, of course, I think that would be one of the primary uh, interpretations or applications we could make from this. It's one of the things that God is saying here. God ruled in Babylon. You don't rule it, Nebuchadnezzar. God rules in Babylon. Here it is, Memorial Day 2012. We're remembering those who have served, and we ought to do that. Those who have given their lives in service to this country, we ought to remember them. We ought to honor them. We ought to thank God for them. Those who stood up just a few moments ago in our own congregation and said that they had served, we, we ought to, every one of us, go to them and thank them and hug on our necks. And thank them for the service that they have done. Honor them in every way we can. Tomorrow there will be parades. We ought to wave the flag on Memorial Day. We ought to go to the parade and salute those who walk by in uniform. And we ought to walk up to them and shake their hands and thank them. It is a worthy thing to remember those who have served in that way. We have the freedoms that we have today to a large extent because they have given such but Memorial Day is more than that, isn't it? Phil kind of mentioned this in his talk this morning. It has become more than just a memorial to those who have served. It's, it's become more of just a general patriotic holiday, hasn't it? We just, we just like to thank God for America on Memorial Day, just like we do on the 4th of July and other patriotic days. We're reminded on days like this of the privileges that we have, the freedoms that we have as Americans. And wouldn't it be great... If as we celebrate America, we could celebrate the fact that God rules over countries. God rules in America. Because the fact is, it doesn't seem like it, does it? It doesn't always feel like it. When we consider the policies of our leaders, the rulings of our courts, and basically the behavior of our citizens, It certainly doesn't seem like God is part of the equation, does it? But the Bible is true. God rules. God rules over countries. And he rules in America. There may be some proud Nebuchadnezzars in America who need to be dethroned. There may be some in leadership who need to recognize that God rules. And there's an election coming up. And we as believers have a civic duty to vote. To vote according to our Christian beliefs. Elect those who would support and believe that God rules in America. But regardless of what happens in that election, regardless, we need to mark it down. We need to remember God rules over countries, regardless of what it looks like. I've seen the end of the book, and I happen to know that we win. And so whatever happens in this upcoming election, let us remember this truth. God rules over countries. One of these days we're going to see it One of these days, our king is going to sit on a literal throne in Jerusalem, and then we're going to see God rule. But until that day, we need to pray for our country. Until that day, we need to love our country. Until that day, we need to pray for our leaders. Until that day, we need to support our leaders. And now some of you just right there said, oh, you just went a little bit too far with that particular one. But don't you think it's interesting what what happened with Daniel here? I think it's fascinating. Look at verse number 19. Daniel has heard this dream. Now remember who Daniel is. Daniel is a slave in this foreign country. Daniel was carried away captive here. He doesn't want to be there. He's not there because of his own will. He's a slave there. He's a slave to Nebuchadnezzar, Verse number 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. And look what he said. Belteshazzar answered and said, my Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. Some of us, upon hearing of the dethroning of this evil leader, would have been dancing a jig. Some of us would have been rejoicing. That this had happened. Wow. God is going to drive him out and make him live like an animal. And we'd have been rejoicing at that. Not Daniel. Daniel apparently was genuinely concerned. And I believe it's because he understood God rules in the affairs of men. I believe it's because he understood that Nebuchadnezzar was there in his life. And in Babylon at that particular time in history. Because God had willed it so. God ruled. Some time ago, I was in a gun shop, another one of my hobbies. I have too many hobbies. I was in a gun shop, and I was purchasing a firearm. And as I was standing there talking to the fellow behind the counter, I said to him, where's your sign that talks about the salesman of the year? And if anybody's been in a gun shop recently, you know that all of them have a sign. It's a picture of the President Obama. Obama. And it says salesman of the year, because he has seemed to have done more for the sale of guns than anybody in the history of the world. Uh, so, I, you know, I thought I was being cute. And I said, you know, where's your son? And I said, what do you mean? And I, I told him. He, said, he looked at me, somewhat, somewhat offended. He said, sir, I'm a Christian. And the Bible says, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. I'm telling you, I felt like a worm. I wanted to crawl out, but but he was right. He was right. God rules in the affairs of men. And so one of the lessons I see here in this is we may not always agree with our government, but we must pray for our government. We must pray for our leaders. We must support them as much as is possible as believers. We ought not to badmouth the government. When the opportunity to vote comes, do so. Vote for the Daniels. Don't vote for the Nebuchadnezzars. But remember, God rules. In the affairs of countries. Well there's another application. And it hits a little bit closer to home maybe. God rules in the affairs of men. He rules in the affairs of men. I mean that is what it says right. I I, I made application to country. But it says men. God rules in the affairs of men. Nebuchadnezzar was a king. And so the first thing we think about here. Is the national aspect of it. But he's also a man. And I think God here was dealing with him. As a man. Just the same way as he deals with. All of us and all of us at some time in our life must come to understand that God rules in the affairs of men. God rules in our lives, whether we want him to or not. That means God rules me and God rules you. Whether you believe it, whether you like it, whether you want it to be true, God is in control. He is sovereign. He rules over you. And all of us have to come to grips with that sometime. I guess it's probably the essence of the gospel. He created you. Created you to have a relationship with him. But you just like everybody else sinned and sin. Past tense and present tense. And sin breaks our relationship with God. The prophet Habakkuk said you are of purer eyes than to behold evil. Cannot look on wickedness. God who is perfectly just cannot dwell in the presence of sin. And a perfectly just judge must judge sin. Anything less would be unjust. Because you and I sinned. Past tense and sin, present tense, he must therefore judge us. He must. And he will do that because God rules in the affairs of men. Nebuchadnezzar here thought he could just ignore this. Verse number 28 says that he ignored it for, well verse 29 maybe, it says that he ignored it for 12 months. Made no changes in his life. But God's judgment cannot be and will not be ignored. Verse 31 came. And he was driven from among men. There might have been a delay between the pronouncement of judgment and when it actually fell, but that didn't change the truth of it. That didn't change the reality of it. Because God judges. God rules in the affairs of men. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Because God's judgment doesn't fall immediately, we become complacent. We think it's not a concern. Second Peter chapter 3 says, Knowing this first, the scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I can imagine that Nebuchadnezzar, after that, that first revelation of, of the meaning of the dream from Daniel, he probably was a little bit concerned and thinking about it very, very hard. And then the next day he looked around and he thought, Well, I'm still here. Nothing happened. And then the next day, Well, I'm still here. And nothing happened. And pretty soon he just started, stopped thinking about it. Until 12 months later, it finally came. Judgment may not come today, but it comes. It may be 12 months off, but it is coming. Because God rules in the affairs of men. And so I thought about that as I studied this. I thought, well, was interesting. But then there's that stump in the ground. Don't you think that's interesting too? There's that stump in the ground. That stump that, that, that tells me that God was not willing to give up on Nebuchadnezzar. He said, yeah, you're right, I'm going to judge you for this, but I'm also going to give you a way out. And I think in just the same manner, our God is not only just, not only must judge, he also loves us with an everlasting love and gives us the same way out. I think that's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary. I think that's why when Jesus said the most beautiful word that has ever been spoken, to tell us die on the cross, it is finished. He was giving us a way out nothing else is owing now and the judgment required by a just judge has been paid isaiah chapter 53 and verse 11 says he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities so god rules he rules in the affairs of men. He rules you. And this sovereign God with whom we must do business says our sin must be judged. And he gives us two choices. Either we can wait until our 12 months is up and we can stand and be judged by God. Or we can throw ourselves in the mercy of the court and say, I want to avail myself of the payment that's already been given on the cross by Jesus. Notice Daniel's suggestion in verse number 27. It's interesting. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. Notice he didn't say, O king, institute some policies. Go before your leaders and come up with some idea of how you can save this country. He said, this is personal. You need to repent of your sin and you need to get right with God. And so too do we all. So too do we all. So do you, if you have not done so. So Nebuchadnezzar, God rules in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, God rules over you. And as we go through all of our patriotic celebrations this weekend, let us not forget that. Let us remember that whatever we might see, whatever we might hear, whatever we might listen to on the news, God rules in America. And let us also examine our own hearts and make sure in our own lives that he rules in us. The question this morning is, does he? Does he rule in you?